I greet you in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning for our talk back series. Uh, pay close attention to the number up there on the screen. Um, this is a spot where you can text in uh, any questions that you have on our subject today. We are asking this question, can Jesus forgive me? Can Jesus forgive me? And so I, I want you to uh, take that number down, write it down. It may pop up a couple other times this morning, but if something sticks out to you, if something uh, is challenging to you, or if you want to challenge me, um, I was telling some folks I invited this morning, give me some zingers, okay? I, 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 want, uh, I want you to pull out all the stops, make them count, um, and uh, we, we would uh, just love to hear from you on uh, any of your questions that you may have this morning on the topic of forgiveness. Uh, I want to let you know I uh, always love being up here, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak each uh, time I do here. Um, but today is uh, not a fun one. It's forgiveness. It's not a fun one. I, th- I think uh, there's a secret meeting just outside a staff meeting where they go, let's give Lenny the fun ones. <laughs> Love and healing. Who doesn't want a slice of that, right? But then when I'm, uh, I'm uh, looking at you and I say, hey, do you want to talk about forgiveness? Uh, yeah, well, you know, maybe people forgiven me. You know, I don't know. Um, so I want to share with you guys today three disconnects um, that we have with walking in forgiveness. And uh, I'm going to tell you the saga of Dale Earnhardt Sr., Okay, my dad's not here this morning. He's uh, sharing at another church. But um, there's a story about when I was an 11 year old boy, and uh, I was promised something by my dad. He promised me a Dale Earnhardt senior, not junior, way better, Dale Earnhardt trading card. Now Dale Earnhardt used to drive for. Um, all sorts of sponsors, and you guys understand how NASCAR sponsorship works, some of you, but um, he used to drive for the greatest beverage that the Lord ever allowed to be created, Sundrop, okay? Um, there, there's, uh, heaven's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's probably a fountain somewhere with Sundrop. It's going to be great, okay? And so uh, we got these trading cards out of uh, his case of Sundrop, and um, I remember he said he would give one to me, and I remember one weekend going through my card collection, and it wasn't in there. Now, I was sure he and I had that discussion that um, I was going to receive that, and so I... I went into his room and I said, hey, I don't think you gave me the Dale Earnhardt card. And he goes, no, buddy, I, I, I'm certain I did. I was like, well, Dad, um, I don't see it in here. And like, I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I don't see it in here. Where, where could it possibly be? And he says, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I'm really sure I gave it to you. And I had a little tiff, like I was mad. I remember being this little uh, 11-year-old boy. Little, I'd, I had my growth spurts early, but um, I was about Jared's size as an 11-year-old boy. And, and, so, I said, <laughs> and so I said, well, no, like where, where's this Dale Earnhardt card? I, I, I'm, I'm looking for it. I can't find it. I, I'm certain you have not given it to me. And my dad goes, no, bud, just drop it. And I dropped it begrudgingly. And I went about my business. 
But just a couple weeks later, my awesome mommy, who's sitting right over there, hi, hi, mommy, had me take some laundry from the laundry room back to their bedroom so that I could put it on their bed and so that it could be folded. And my dad was organizing his sock drawer. And as he lifted out a couple of pairs of socks, guess who fell out? Dale Earnhardt, senior, sun drop card. And I looked at my dad and I said, ah, how could you? <laughs> like, I just detonated. I, I lost all of my cool. Dad, you, you said, you said that you gave it to me, but you were wrong. And I just gloried. I let it pour over me like just ointment. It felt so good. And I went, but... I forgive you. (laughs) And I held out my hand like so many 11-year-old jerks. I share that particular trivial point of unforgiveness from my life because if I told you all of my deep, dark lacks of forgiveness, we would never make it to lunch or dinner or next Sunday. We as people all struggle with forgiveness on multiple levels, in multiple dimensions. There's this dimension where we have this struggle of forgiveness between us and God, and subsequently there's also a struggle of forgiveness between the lateral plane, us and everyone else. We struggle with that vertical forgiveness First, but we're going to talk about these three disconnects, and then, of course, we'll uh, we'll get to some of your questions. But um, we're going to pour into uh, to the book of Mark for just a moment um, at a guy named Peter. Now, uh, Peter was one of a few folks that interacted directly with this plane on both levels. He literally had the crucible of both of those planes in Jesus Christ, and so. You have the person of Christ who represents both forgiveness from God and interaction with man. And I want you to have that in mind as we read a little bit about uh, something that uh, that man, that Christ, said to Peter, a guy I sadly identify with greatly. Mark chapter 11, or excuse me, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, if you would turn with me, and we should have it up on the screen uh, here as well, uh, beginning in verse 26. And it says this, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said, empathetically, or emphatically, excuse me, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Now, we all know what happens to Peter. 
Who knows that story, right? Denies him. Denies him three times. Rooster crows. He failed. In fact, failure and self-centeredness is Peter's track record. He was hot-tempered. Anybody? Ill-mannered. He was not an okay guy. Someone needs to check on Peter. (laughs) He cut a dude's ear off, okay? (laughs) You do not need to uh, uh, tell me that that's like a really bad idea. Um, And you don't go cutting people's ears off if you're okay in the head. Just saying. Peter screws up violently. He screws up with his actions, his attitudes, and relationships. Peter denies the one true Christ. Peter is a sinner. So for our first of these three disconnects to forgiveness, I want us to see that we don't think we or others deserve to be forgiven. Peter disqualified himself, right? There is nothing in Peter's modus operandi where he deserves forgiveness, right? He's some jerk. He's a C-minus fisherman to where a carpenter comes up and goes, I'll try over there. (laughs) So Peter is not qualified for forgiveness in any way. So we don't think, we have this in our heads, we don't think we or others deserve to be forgiven. Like Peter, we feel unqualified, and if we are unqualified, our enemies are definitely unworthy. Let me say that part again. If we feel unqualified, our enemies are unworthy. We would say things like, well, you don't know the bad things that I've done, or you don't know what they did to me. I get it, and I hear you. I hate that that was done to you. And I can imagine how much more he does too. We're going to be moving quickly. Number two goes a little bit deeper on the vertical plane here, person to person. Or excuse me, vertical plane here, uh, person to God. Because when we forgive others, it takes their power away. Did you ever think of that? You can, tell some, you can tell that someone has forgiven someone else when that someone else isn't in their head anymore. When I truly forgive Joe Schmo, whoever that may be, he doesn't have power anymore over me. No power. And so on that vertical plane, man to God, we miss it. We don't turn to God for forgiveness because we will lose power and control over our own life management. If we give up to him, maybe we're not in control anymore. I'm just not ready to come to Jesus because. Insert excuse. I don't have a lot of quotes for this one because you and I alike We don't say these out loud. But there's that voice in your head. If I come to Jesus and ask his forgiveness of my sins, what if he makes me stop sinning the way I like to? What if he actually changes me? 
And of course, we're terrified of change. Peter, all the same, Peter wanted authority in a kingdom. What did you want? Peter wanted to be in charge of something. What do you want? What if he makes me stop sinning the way I like? And number three, we are not all that focused on vertical forgiveness. His forgiveness. Peter in that Mark passage can literally be found singing hymns with Christ himself. Sounds like a good church service to me, right? To be singing hymns with Christ himself and completely missed what Christ was trying to do. It is not your pastor's fault that you don't feel connected to God. Sometimes I've, I've been guilty, personally, of going to church, just like this, to receive an aha moment about myself, rather than to see Christ's grace in action. God's forgiveness is a flawless tool dedicated to the vertical restoration of your soul that you can also pour out forgiveness on your foes, on that horizontal plane. And I am as guilty as every single one of you for showing up to church for musical inspiration and an aha moment thinking that is supposed to get me through a weeks-long battle to restore relationships to aim people at Christ to forgive and love my enemies. It's not enough. And so I run around all week long after that, cutting off ears with blades. So that was three disconnects. that make you feel bad about yourself? <laughs> I see myself so disconnected from real forgiveness here because of this kind of forgiveness there. And so what now? Guys, there's one more passage I'm going to read to you here that completely solves the equation for us. It's in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And it reads like this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Get this. This is what freaks me out. Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I want to uh, see if you caught the most important word in that whole passage. It's not the word you're expecting. I'm going to make you laugh for five seconds, okay? It's not the word you're expecting. Can we put up the, the key word up there? 
Thank you. That is the most important word in that passage. You want to know why? Do you see the forgiveness happen? Do you see all of the vertical forgiveness happen and activate all of the horizontal forgiveness? What did they say in Mark? When Peter's all, oh yeah, we won't fail, we won't deny you, we will even go to our death, and Jesus goes, no, 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 when the shepherd is struck, the sheep will scatter. Who was the sheep in that part? The disciples. Peter was a sheep in that part. Peter was the sheep. What a dirty thing to be, right? A sheep. And Peter was the sheep, but here we go, over here, after Peter's denial, betrayal, his assault on people, everything he's got in him to prove himself to be unforgivable. And there's a transition that happens because of Jesus' forgiveness, where Peter goes from being a sheep, and then he says, Peter, tend my sheep. Forgiveness took him from being a sheep to being a shepherd. How cool is that? He went from being a failure, being angry, being lost. And something that took him directly from that, it wasn't because of anything he earned or qualified for. He went from sheep to shepherd because Jesus forgave him. Isn't that crazy? How many of y'all have been sheep for so long and you just want something to make you feel like a shepherd? He even sat down to breakfast with them. Guys, if you guys deny me three times, I might skip breakfast with you once. Okay? Family, if we really laid bare our sins, if we really shined a light on all of our shortcomings, we would crawl on our faces to Jesus and weep. But because he is good, he lifts up an unqualified man like me and he sits me at a table when I was his enemy. When I would have denied him. When I had broke the vertical process and I struggled to break everything on this plane. When I looked at him and I cried for justice against my enemies, but I didn't realize that if he were to bring his justice against people with shortcomings, he might start with me. But God feeds me. Even when I was his enemy. And the more I eat at his banquet table the more it breaks my idea and my entitlement to my justice. Who am I to deny someone a seat at the table that I have so kindly received? And so the more I, the more I eat at that table, I don't know if you guys have ever had a great meal, but don't you go talk about it? To everybody that'll listen. Guys, I feel like my uh, my sermon today is as short as it is. It reminds me that in order to be good at forgiveness at this level, 
I have to accept and walk in the forgiveness from this level. Fully. With all my heart. And it's beautiful. The deeper you get into that table, the easier this part becomes. And so I feel like, uh, even, even last night, I was like hucking pages out of my notes and just, what do I do? Like, what do I say? Um, and so all of that was just uh, my journal tirade, and I'm going to preach to you a 15-second sermon, and then we're going to have time for our, uh, our talk back, and so um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring our uh, worship team up here in just, uh, just about a minute. But here's my 60-second sermon, 30-second sermon, however long this part takes. Can Jesus forgive? Yes. Even you. That's it. Probably the best sermon I've ever preached. (laughs) End of sermon. The more I recognize... His forgiveness, the better I get at forgiving. Can he forgive me? Yes. He forgave forgave Peter. He forgave Paul. He turned terrorists into evangelists. He, He can forgive you. And so please text in your questions. We would love to tackle them. Maybe we tackled them along the course of the way, but we'd love to address them. But uh, here in just a moment, after uh, the band uh, joins us and uh, leads us in offering, uh, I'll be back up here with Jared, and uh, we'll be happy to uh, receive uh, those questions and, uh, and share with you. All right, so uh, we uh, are looking, I'm looking forward to these questions. I know Jared gets the cushy job of answer, or, uh, asking me, and I answer <laughs> them, and so... Um, you got some good ones. Got, got some zingers? Yeah. Okay. All right, question number one. Sure. In what situation, if any, would Christ withhold forgiveness? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the there's in Mark. There's the unforgivable sin. I'm sure that'll that'll either come up or we can talk about that a little bit more later. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, after today and after um, as much as I have seen in Scripture, um, the answer to that is a lack of forgiveness. Um, I, I think you can't, uh, just like scripture says, uh, forgive us, you be forgiven. So how, how do you, uh, how do you try to function, um, in a vertical plane re- relationship between you and God, if, uh, you are unwilling to forgive people that bear his image? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what's, what's the one thing God is, uh, not going to forgive? It'd, it'd be a lack of forgiveness. Right. Yeah, my mind went to the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. right? Where forgive us our trespasses as, as we, we forgive, forgive those who mm-hmm. trespass against us. Absolutely. Right? Um, okay, second question. Now, is God okay with me forgiving family members or friends, but choosing to remove them from my life because it is an unhealthy relationship? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think I knew where that came from, too. Um, or maybe I've just talked to enough people about that kind of subject recently. Um, let me, let me kind of dial it in here. Um, forgiving family members or friends, but choosing to remove. Um, okay, so uh, I'm folksy. Y'all are going to have to forgive me for being folksy. <laughs> um, my, my dog 
Lord bless her. Okay? My dog misbehaves. I'm going to say it like that. And my dog misbehaves when certain things in my house happen. Okay? And when my dog misbehaves in my house because certain things happen, I don't engage in those things anymore. Now, does it mean I don't love my dog? You know, ask my wife. Maybe some days. <laughs> um, but the point, uh, the point is, uh, when I see something that is, is broken, there are just um, some things I don't engage in because I know what will happen. And for my own safety and the safety of my house, uh, in my dog's case, um, again, I don't engage in them. And so what do I say to somebody that says, um, you know, I'm, I'm forgiving my family members or friends. Um, it doesn't mean you have to let them babysit again just because you forgave them. You know, just because you let them off of the hook of your wrath <laughs> does not mean that you're going to lend them your car. Just, just because in, in Christ, <laughs> you, you can say to them, I will no longer bear grudge against you. I have, have purged myself of any need to exact my justice on you. Just because you forgive them does not mean that, again, you, you let them babysit. And so, yeah, um, cutting them out of your life does not mean, however, that you cut them out of your prayer life. Um, cutting them out of your life does not mean that you cut them out of opportunities to witness. Is that... Yeah. Fair. So don't throw the baby out with the bath. Yeah. Just be wise in right. how we outline those relationships. People don't take baths life. anymore, though, so I didn't think those were... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number three. How do you distinguish between forgiveness and reconciliation? Ooh. Woof. <laughs> that is a good one. That's a good one. Doozies. You wanted them. I wanted zingers, man. Like some of y'all were like on Google, like <laughs> questions on forgiveness that stump pastors. So <laughs> um, uh, I, I would say, and this is, this is probably personal opinion until the Holy Spirit speaks to me here, to me here but um, I would say the difference between uh, reconciliation and forgiveness is uh, reconciliation is more of uh, a, a status when forgiveness is a lifestyle. And this is going to sound uh, kind of silly for a second. When I, when I am forgiving, I take somebody off the hook of my wrath. Um, when I am reconciled to them, that means everything is restored. I, they can babysit my kids again. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're not just talking about letting their sins uh, be forgiven. You're talking about full and total restoration communication, connection, where you have restored things, not just like sin is over here, but you've restored trust, you've restored compassion, you've restored um, all of those things that make real relationship. And so you can forgive somebody and not have a relationship with them. Um, but reconciliation is, is the total package. You are in a, a status of reconciliation with that person. Yeah, when I think reconciliation, my mind goes to Jacob and Esau mm-hmm. when they get together and meet and the relationship is restored from, from the beginning where mm-hmm. Jacob is grabbing Esau's heel and steals his birthright and such. But right. finally we get to that point where they're like, let's be brothers again. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, next question. Practically, what does forgiveness look like at the horizontal level? 
ooh, using my words too. Mm-hmm. Um, what does forgiveness look like at the horizontal level? Um, and that is, again, that uh, relationship from man to man. Um, we're, we're trying to base real forgiveness as, as uh, I don't know if it's neoplatonic, like the shadow of um, what, uh, what God's forgiveness is. And so um, if I were to forgive somebody in, in a very worldly sense, um, a worldly forgiveness is tolerating that person. Like, it's, it's a tolerance issue. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can be around each other, you know. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> you know, the, things to that nature. That's a very worldly forgiveness. Um, but if we're trying to model real forgiveness on that horizontal level, um, and, and it's going to sound scary for five seconds here, and I don't want to lead anybody astray on this, but um, Christ's forgiveness to us uh, was where Christ was so loving that he put himself in vulnerable places out of love. He, he literally allowed himself to be taken advantage of for our restoration. And so real forgiveness um, is, is almost uh, uh, tilting the head and saying, I, even though um, you have wronged me, I will enter back into this relationship with enough um, care and kindness and, and willing to be wronged again um, to, to have relationship and witness to that person. So still having tangible acts of love yeah. present. Still, yeah, yeah. Still, still a tangibility of, of, of Christ's presence, like that, that model of the vertical. Okay. All right. Does Jesus' forgiveness negate the consequences of sin? How do you rectify the fact that we still live with the consequences even after we have been forgiven? Ooh. Y'all. Okay. Somebody's like doing homework. I know this is forgiveness week. (laughs) Um, Does Jesus' forgiveness negate the consequences of sin? Sometimes. Beautifully. Beautifully. Um, But also not always. And... um, I, I want to, um, as some would say it, you know, break it down um, to make it as, as easy to understand as possible. Um, does Jesus' does Jesus's forgiveness negate the consequences of sin? Um, we would like it to all the time. I wish it would. Um, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think it's Jesus' prerogative to do it that way. Um, because when we're striving for Christ in that vertical relationship, sometimes our consequences going away is not the thing that draws us closer to him in the vertical relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is a certain place where we find the servant Christ when we are laid low in serving. There's a certain place where we find um, the wounded Christ when we are still hurting. There, there are certain places where, where we see Jesus all the better in the consequences of the things we did. And so, does it, does it always negate the consequences of sin? Sometimes it does. Like, sometimes it puts families back together. Sometimes it, um, you know, allows you a a new opportunity, and that's fine, and that's sweet. But um, I think the central focus of what we should be doing in in, um, 
this relationship with Christ is to say, I just, I just want Christ. And, and if God were to answer that prayer, he's going to have to teach me how Christ suffered. He's going to teach me how Christ was wounded. He's going to have to teach me how Christ was wronged. And he's going to teach me how Christ removed my consequence, the ultimate consequence, which was sin. And so that's going to take you to dark and difficult places. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, the whole lesson of what we've done wrong isn't just learned right there when we come to the point, okay, I need to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. There's still stuff that the Lord can teach us. Mm-hmm. He disciplines those whom he loves, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, let's, let's do one more question. What if the situation is flipped and you need forgiven and someone is holding wrath towards you? How do you approach that? Uh, forgive them anyway. Because I've never, I've never bumped into a 100% versus 0% scenario. I, I think I've heard that recently. Um, I, I've never been in a situation, like, there are people that have, no, let, me, let me correct myself, and I, I think I'm a little off base on that. There are people that have been victimized. Victimized. Greatly. Robbed of their dignity, robbed of their possessions and, and all of that. That's, that's kind of secondary, but but robbed and, and victimized, and it was a 100% 0% ratio. And, and that other person, um, they need forgiven. And in, in some of those 100% 0% scenarios, um, if, if, if that person that is wrong, then 100% comes to some understanding of that and seeks forgiveness... Um, and that other person looks at them and says, um, how can I forgive you after what you did? Um, that other individual um, will... I want to be sensitive. Um, that individual that's not offering forgiveness needs to mature um, in their, their faith um, and, and their level of forgiveness. But I get it. I don't want to forgive either. There are some things that have been done to people that are so dark and wicked that you, you just you, you have reoccurring nightmares about them. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that that's not uncommon. I, I know I could probably go around here and say, tell me about your darkest moment. And, and 10 minutes after that, were you ready to forgive everybody? How about a year? <laughs> like, it, it's still hard. And so I get that it's hard. But if that person is, is wanting to be forgiven and walk in reconciliation with Christ, that is a place where they have to mature. And, and so we, we need to, um, if, if anybody in here is withholding forgiveness in any capacity, no matter how dark the thing is, it's, it's like I was sharing uh, for the message, um, if I laid out all my darkness in front of you, you wouldn't invite me to dinner, but Jesus did. He sure did. And so how could I sit at that table and go, well, their darkness was definitely way more than my darkness. That's, that's, yeah, they did lots of wicked things. Guys, it, it, it seriously doesn't matter um, how, how deep and dark the sin is when Christ is so much brighter than how dark it went. And so, so offering that forgiveness is, is evidence that you are inappropriate vertical relationship. Is that, is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah, so if you're the person who 
is having wrath held against you even though you've tried to seek forgiveness. I think it's just important that you've done your part. Have you done everything to try to make reparations in the relationship? And you can't control the other person, but you can continue to love them because even though you wouldn't maybe define them as an enemy because you want to be in a loving relationship with them, they are technically your enemy if they're holding wrath against you. And so with that, um, I know earlier you brought up the unforgivable sin. Do you want to go on that real quick? Um, sure, we could we could do that as the last one, yes. or was there? Yep. Okay. I think it's so. Um, yeah, it, it also appears in Mark, and I've had the question asked before. Well, what about the unforgivable sin? Um, it says in uh, Mark that um, it is to to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and um, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things I've seen um, online campaigns of a certain uh, atheist group that would that would say. Um, uh, they would join that group by publicly, they, they would make a YouTube video and they would deny Christ. They, they would say, I deny Christ and I deny the existence of the Holy Spirit. And they use that as some sort of uh, informal protest against Christianity and to just kind of establish their, um, their uh, community as, as an atheist. And um, I, I see that. And when I do see that, I, I hurt for these people because I've seen... Um, uh, especially one video in particular, I recall um, there was a, a young lady um, who was probably in her early 20s, the group I, I typically work with, and she was looking at the camera about to join this little you know, think tank of, of um, folks, and she, she could barely squeeze the words out. And there was no confidence whatsoever in her voice that the Holy Spirit wasn't real, God wasn't real, Jesus never lived. And I watched this young lady, she, she admitted she was, she was a mom, and, and she was a nurse, and um, she, uh, she wanted to participate in this group, but she wept through the whole process. And I don't think she meant a single thing she said. I don't think she meant, I, I deny the existence of God. I think what she meant is, I have doubts, and I struggle, and I want to be involved with people who can discuss this struggle with me, and if this is the inroad to having people have an honest conversation, that's why, that's why I value this so much, that we're able to do our talkback series. Because if somebody's struggling with something, and we don't have some reasonable open forum to address the elephant in the room some days, then, then we as believers are going to struggle as well. But... Um, but no, the, the unforgivable sin to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, to deny the existence of the Holy Spirit, I think is only an unforgivable sin when you have tasted the work of the Holy Spirit. None of those people joining that society have ever walked with Christ. They've never seen the work of God in their life. And, and, and so it, it's been there. Of course, God reveals himself to everyone, but, but they, they haven't seen it. They haven't walked in Christ. And, and I, I ache for a friend um, who actually uh, went through that process. Uh, he went from Bible thumper to atheist in one year. And, and a lot of the turmoil and things he went through, he... He denied the existence of Christ, and I, I had seen Christ in him so many times, though. And he denied the existence of the Holy Spirit, but I'd prayed with him, and I, I thought I knew his heart on that. And so I, 
I pray for him as often as I can think of him, that he, he would return to God out of that ignorance. But to deny the existence of the Holy Spirit and having never known him is just an anecdote. It's trivial. It's, it's nothing. But if, if you've seen the work of God in your life, if you have seen him move you and shape you and change you and out of great anger you deny his work, that's, that's sin. And God knows we're clay and he's a good judge and he's not going to take your YouTube video against you when you've come into appropriate vertical relationship against, or, uh, with him. But um, the only thing that, that is unforgivable in all of scripture is that when it says um, to deny uh, the existence of the Holy Spirit, the only thing for unforgivable about that is when you've really truly tasted who God is and turn away in, in rebellion. All, all revolution is necessary. All rebellion is sin. So, <laughs> all right. So, good questions? Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Stay tuned this midweek. We will have some more questions via video that we will answer.